the number one thing that the GOP cares about is reach. They want to get their candidates in front of as many viewers as possible, and neither News Nation nor Newsmax can provide the same audiences, obviously, that a Fox News or a broadcast network or a CNN can. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Thursday, March 23rd. Today, Dylan Byers joins me to talk all things TV news. Dylan has the goods on David Zaslov's recent visit to CNN and his efforts to boost morale in the midst of a historic rating slump at the network. And Dylan and I discuss which cable and broadcast networks are in the running to land a Republican presidential debate this year and next. Spoiler alert, MSNBC will not be one of them. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Happy Thursday, everybody. I'm joined today by Dylan Byers, who's got a lot of new info about what's going on in the world of TV news. I want to talk to Dylan a little bit about which TV networks might land Republican debates this year. Uh, But first, Dylan, welcome. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) Of course. You know what? I really didn't have a choice. It was forced upon me. Um, I want to ask you about the debates, but first I want to talk to you about uh, CNN. You and you and CNN just love talking about each other at this point. Um, <laughs> Is it too much? <laughs> uh, Chris Lick probably thinks so. So you have a piece up in the room right now. Went up last night. So there are a couple things that jumped out at me. One is, and you write about CNN's low ratings. They had the worst performance in the twenty-five to fifty-four-year-old demo last week in three decades. But you also point out that David Zaslov, the head of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, Chris Lick's boss showed up at CNN recently and basically told producers and managers there, don't worry about the ratings. Does he really believe that, one? And two, how was that message met by the people that he talked to at CNN? Did that give them some comfort that, hey, what we care about here is just restoring trust in a network that really gave away a lot of that trust during the Trump years? And it's okay that we're not doing well and this thing is going to take time. I would say that when you are not rating well and when revenue is down and when you don't have a lot of positive press, that saying that the ratings don't matter and and we have a larger mission to sort of uh, act as a bulwark on behalf of American democracy is a pretty convenient narrative, right? Because it takes away all of the traditional metrics that we use by which to measure success in this industry. Does David Zaslav and do David Zaslav and Chris Licht believe in CNN being uh, the integrity, establishing the integrity of CNN, in being nonpartisan, uh, in doing responsible news, uh, and ultimately in that serving on behalf of sort of fulfilling the mission of journalism as the fourth estate of American democracy, I have no reason to doubt that they believe that. I think at the same time, <laughs> and his entire uh, career and CV suggests that David Zaslav is a businessman first and recognizes that there is a sort of bottom line here. And... In that regard, 
historically the ratings do matter. And oh, by the way, I would also say that if you care about CNN as a force for good in democracy, the ratings also matter. He calls this, you know, this mission that CNN is on, it's sort of rendezvous with destiny. I would say at the moment, CNN is having a rendezvous with irrelevance because it is going back to these days when when it was sort of a network that was there in the event of a crisis or an uprising or an election, but that people weren't watching outside of those major sort of historical events. And you don't have a business if no one is watching. Now, look, Warner Brothers Discovery is a lot of things. It is an entertainment company. It has sports rights. Obviously, it has a very powerful streaming network, and you've got HBO, but it has a news network. And is it valuable to the company to have a, a sort of little watch news network, but that is at least known as sort of being nonpartisan and non-polarizing, and therefore it is sort of a non-controversial asset in the portfolio? Sure, but wouldn't you rather have a network that people are watching? I think one thing that gets lost in the coverage of CNN or sort of the debate about CNN that goes on between journalists such as myself and the leadership at that organization is they say, what we are trying to do is good for society. And I don't have any problem with that. As, as a news consumer and as a citizen, I like the idea of CNN as it has been articulated by Chris Licht and David Zaslav. I think the problem here is that the television business, even if you're in the news business, it is still fundamentally the entertainment business. And if you don't have people watching, that threatens the longevity of the brand itself. And you can say ratings don't matter, but at a certain point, if you're not if you're doing three hundred and eighty thousand in the ratings, you are not making as much ad revenue as you should be. And if you're not making as much ad revenue as you should be, you're going to have a significant budget shortfall. And then you're going to get to a point where the only lever you have to pull are more layoffs. So to suggest that there's some sort of like that the people who cover CNN are too obsessed with the ratings and the ratings don't matter is to ignore the fact that as Zaslav and Licht well know there is a business here with people's jobs and the long term, the longevity of the brand itself at stake. I'm also on team good for society, Dylan, but I understand that that might be too pie in the sky. <laughs> I'd rather have a network that is little watched but credible uh, <laughs> uh, in our society. But, you know, I get that ratings matter. Uh, just infotainment uh, kind of grosses me out sometimes. So Zaslav had an interesting line that you quoted too and i know this uh, appearance at cnn headquarters happened last week i think but zaslov described this mission as cnn's quote rendezvous with destiny what does that mean you know i actually i have the pages and pages of david zaslov's address to at a cnn managers meeting and the degree to which he cited things like world war ii and the fight for democracy and sort of cast CNN in this very noble sort of like at, at, at this juncture in history when it was sort of fighting on behalf of democracy, which he described as being under assault everywhere. I think the rendezvous with destiny is a suggestion that the journalists who work at CNN uh, have a have a bigger goal than just getting ratings and things like that. They they that they are working on behalf of democracy and at a time when yes, very true, 
so many news networks have drifted into hyper-partisan programming or, or coverage uh, one way or the other, it is, again, it is very, the, the idea of having something that is responsible and nonpartisan is very good. Again, I, I don't quibble with that. It's just a question of, are you being effective if no one is paying attention to the product? And do you matter to the fight for democracy if no one is watching? And I think that is where the tension lies. This was a very emotional appeal that Zaslav made to the journalists at, at CNN, but I wouldn't underestimate here that he doesn't have a lot more to point to in terms of how CNN is doing beyond these sort of noble, noble callings. Can you just break out for listeners? I feel like we get lost in TV news jargon sometimes. The importance of the quote unquote demo and like total viewers versus that 25 to 54 year old demo, which is always referred to as the quote crucial 25 to 54 year old demo. Like (laughs) what's so crucial about it? And also just to like say it, I mean, you wrote about this last night. Sometimes the total viewer number is just vastly larger than the demo number. Jen Psaki's show debuted on MSNBC uh, over the weekend and did pretty well in total viewers. 1.1 million viewers for a weekend politics show. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, 137,000 in the demo. Okay, maybe that's that maybe that's better than Fox News, but literally, man, that means that 1 million of those 1.1 million viewers were over the age of 55 and the 0.1 million were all under the age of 55. It's just really cast into stark relief how few people, you know, who are not uh, you know, approaching retirement are actually watching cable news. It's pretty remarkable every time I see the delta between the total viewers at this point and the and the demo. But what is the demo? Why does it matter? Right. So first of all, this should not be this. This is not lost on me, and I and I hope it's not lost on anyone who listens to the podcast or reads my coverage. I think I point out every time I write about the cable news business and the TV business, the linear television business broadly, that it is dying and it is it is moving ever so slowly, but inevitably toward irrelevance. And that part of the reason, as, as we all well know, is that the vast majority of people aren't watching. And these numbers, you know, as someone who works at Snapchat, even 137,000 people between the ages of 25 and 54 is a very, very paltry number. I think if you work at any major social media network, you don't even pay attention to these numbers. That's how small they are. But it continues to be an incredibly powerful business uh, that spins off, you know, in the Jeff Zucker era, was doing more than a billion dollars in profit, uh, CNN was. I think Fox News probably does something closer to $2 billion in profit. And it also, despite the sort of proliferation of a thousand different media outlets and niche media outlets and, and social media and whatnot, it continues to be a somewhat significant and relevant force in in news and in the culture. And d- sort of despite everything, despite the, despite the numbers, and that business, the success of that business depends not on the one million people who are above the age of fifty-five, but really on those one hundred thousand people who are between the ages of twenty-five and fifty-four, because they are the ones that advertisers are trying to reach and sell products to. Don't ask me why that is. I think everything about how we measure ratings, the whole Nielsen thing is incredibly 
woefully inadequate. Um, don't ask me why advertisers think that a 54 year old is going to buy their product, but a 55 year old won't. Like, I, I don't know. Whatever the case, it's how the business works and it's and it's how the money moves around. And so that is why that demo matters. Gotcha. Thank you for explaining that. I feel like I need a refresher every now and then. Dylan, when we come back, I want to ask you about the Republican debates and which TV networks are best positioned to land those ratings bonanzas. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Welcome back to the powers that be, everyone. Uh, Dylan, we just were talking about ratings. A piece of programming that just crushes in the ratings are presidential debates, generally speaking. The first Republican debate back in 2015, I believe, in Cleveland. I was there. Uh, Fox News had it. 24 million people watched that debate. Just an insane amount of viewers for, for cable news. And the broadcasts and, and cable networks are all jostling for a Republican debate. This time around, the first one is in August in Milwaukee. Uh, they'll continue theoretically through the fall into the primary season early next year. Give us a state of play here. How many debates are there going to be and which networks are maybe best positioned to land these big debates, uh, which are basically presided over by the Republican National Committee and their chairwoman, Rana, formerly Romney McDaniel. So we're right now in the sort of negotiation stage, and what's happening is, is despite uh, years of Republicans beating up on on the media and and, and the sort in of, the mainstream media, they are now talking to the quote unquote mainstream media about uh, serving as debate partners, and there are a few sort of telling things, and this is important because, like you said. The debates are massive events for television networks. And the 24 million who tuned in for the first debate in 2015, and it was 23 million for the CN the following CNN debate a few weeks later. We might not see those numbers again this cycle. We might. Either way, when you're talking about networks that are drawing in 
hundreds of thousands of viewers a night or in Fox News case, maybe a couple million viewers a night. All of a sudden, having like NFL level ratings is a very big deal for the network. It, it has the potential to alter careers. Uh, look at Megyn Kelly. It is how networks sort of burnish their brands and define what they are every four years. They're a really, really big deal. And there's a lot of work that goes into making them happen. And there's a lot on the line. So inevitably, because it is a Rep- there's a Republican primary and probably not a Democratic primary, Fox News is, is once again going to be the star. There will be Probably after that first August debate, there will be about a debate a month going up to the Republican National Convention, also in Milwaukee, a year later. So Fox, I think, will probably get three to four of these debates based off of the sources I'm talking to who are sort of involved in some of these discussions. I anticipate CNN could get two. And then you're looking at maybe, you know, the broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, obviously, The GOP is not talking to MSNBC, but by virtue of talking to NBC, it sort of doesn't really matter. And so you're going to see probably about eight to 10, maybe as many as 11 debates, depending on how the primary race goes. One very interesting question, and this is sort of what's sort of a sign of the times right now in terms of how political media works, is there's a consideration about whether or not to give a debate to one of these new, more niche news players like News Nation or Newsmax. And that would have the potential to really, really to serve as a sort of a major boon to those networks at a time when, yes, they're they're sort of gaining audiences, but they are still very much living in the shadow of the more established players. And this is particularly notable because, of course, Fox News for as long as I can remember, has sort of had a stranglehold on the Republican Party and and on the primary process. And now all of us, you know, when when Fox News was going through all that tumult following the election and the executives like Lachlan Murdoch were freaking out about their core audience sort of drifting over to Newsmax, to see Newsmax get a debate would be a really big deal. News Nation actually you know, sort of planted a flag when it won the only debate between Dr. Oz and John Fetterman during that Senate race. They've got a lot of sort of veterans of the industry from ABC News, from Fox News. And if they get a debate, it would be really big for them. I think the the biggest challenge for those networks is that the number one thing that the GOP cares about is reach. They want to get their candidates in front of as many viewers as possible. And neither News Nation nor Newsmax can provide the same audiences, obviously, that a Fox News or a broadcast network or a CNN can. Right. And I also think it's interesting, by the way, that CNN is in the conversation. I mean, Chris Licht has met with them. I'm sure our friend Mark Preston over at CNN has met with them. I mean, like, there is still like some connective tissue and some credibility (laughs) with the Republican Party among certain employees at CNN, even if, you know, broadly speaking, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and other Republicans think CNN is biased. Right, right. Well, and it's it's also very important for CNN in terms of this effort to broaden its appeal with Republicans. I mean, I think if you peel peel away all of the rhetoric that you hear from Chris Licht and David Zaslav and all that about CNN's mission in journalism, I think what you're really hearing is you've got a network in CNN that developed a different reputation for itself in the Zucker-Trump era, and that its trust and engagement 
with Republican audiences was incredibly low. And so, yes, they're trying to create a non-polarizing, non-partisan network. They're also, to put it more bluntly, are trying to draw back Republican viewers. Moderating, hosting a successful Republican debate and proving their ability to do that in a way that does not draw any sort of controversy or scrutiny would go a long way, I think, in that effort. So so the, the debates are going to be extremely important for CNN, too. Yeah, it's hard not to imagine, like, Jake Tapper and Caitlin Collins sort of sliding into those moderator spots. That's the next. Once these debates are booked by the networks, that's the next level of insider drama is which anchors and reporters get to moderate, because that's also a big deal. It's a huge deal. Again, you go back to careers that you think about Megyn Megyn Kelly's career and what happened after August 2015 when Trump went after her. You know, this plays no small role in her being on the cover of magazines, getting getting you know a, a, a way too handsome deal at NBC, <laughs> one of the worst deals in media history, <laughs> it, it, like inarguably, inarguably one of the worst deals in media history. But this has potential, and you 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 will see uh, inside of these news organizations, anchors will be vying for that moderator chair because they know what it can do for their careers. And in the CNN effort, there there's a very small pool of talent that Republicans will be comfortable with. And like you said, it could be Jake Tapper, it could be Caitlin Collins. Certainly Anderson Cooper is always reliable in this regard, maybe a John King. But once you get beyond that small pool of talent, there's really not anyone else at the network who they're going to trust to do this, right? I mean, it's certainly not going to be Don Lemon. Yes. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the campaigns have a voice in who the moderators are and that will certainly flare uh when it comes to the cnn conversation and nbc um all right dylan thank you so much man thanks peter thanks so much for listening to another episode of the powers that be as a reminder the powers that be is the official podcast of puck we'd like to thank ben landy liz goff and alex bigler for their editorial and production guidance If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13, and produced by Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck. Puck.